0: God. Good morning, everybody. I wanted to remind you of something I said last week that I wanted to stir in your heart again this morning, and that is throughout your week this week, use the name of Jesus. Uh, As you're going about your day, just say His name. You don't have to be emotional. You don't have to yell. Just speak His name. Just as you're driving your car, as you're going through your day, the name of Jesus has power, and it has power over your life and your family. Then you can add to it as simple as, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Jesus, thank you for healing me. Jesus, thank you for touching my marriage or my child or my children. But let me me encourage you to do that, okay? This week I had a man come into my office and uh, visited with me for a few minutes. And when he came in, he sat down. And he got big tears in his eyes. And he said, I can't explain to you what Jesus did in me at Men's Retreat. And he said, he's done something in me that I'm trying to understand and trying to explain. And he said, and I want more of it. And it's just like what Kurt said, <clears throat> people's lives are being changed here every day. That, that's all stirring in my heart. Now, let me, let me do one more thing. How about them hornets? They won Friday night and they ended an 18 game losing streak. Come on, let's clap again. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you think, well, you know, why are you talking about that in church? Because it matters. It matters to our boys, it matters to our school, it matters to our coaches. And uh, they won and we're so proud of them and we're so thankful. And uh, we believe that that streak is going to stay short from now on. Amen. And that they're going to win some more games. All right, are you ready? Are you ready for me to pull back the curtain a little bit and let you peek into another world? Uh, Are you ready to look into eternity? Are you ready to take a few minutes over the next few weeks and let me show you some things about heaven and let's take this journey together? Here's what I know. The single most question that all of humanity is asking, and it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your sex, it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter your culture, it doesn't matter if you're from India or you're from America. Every human being is asking this question. What happens when you die? Is there life after death? After I die, what's going to happen to me? The Bible says in the Old Testament that God has written eternity on our hearts. Now, here's the very first thing I want to, if I could, deposit into your heart this morning. You are going to exist forever. When you were formed in your mother's womb, the Bible says God was there. That when you were formed in your mother's womb, it says in darkness, God breathed the breath of his eternal life on you. And at that moment, the Bible says, you became a living soul. You are an eternal being. You are going to live forever. Forever. I really want that to settle in your heart this morning. You and I are going to exist And we're going to live forever. And here's the good news. You're going to be you. You're going to have ten fingers. You're going to have ten toes. You're going to look like you do. You're going to have emotions. You're going to have feelings. You're going to be self-aware. You're going to see friends. You're going to see relatives. You're going to have joy. You're going to laugh. You're going to eat. You are going to be you. You don't become a different species People think, well, we become an angel when we get to heaven. An angel is a different species uh, than us. You're not going to become an angel. You're going to be you. If you're a man, you're going to be a man. If you're a woman, you're going to be a woman. God has a future for us with him. Now, I don't know what you know or think about the love of God, but here's what I know. God wants to be with us for all of eternity. That stirs my heart. Now, three things uh, are going to happen as we go through this series over the next several weeks. Here's the first one. You're going to have a greater sense of peace in your Christian walk than you've ever had before. You're going to have peace about yourself. You're going to have peace about your future. And you're going to have peace about loved ones who've already gone on, loved ones who've already died. And you're going to have peace about who they are and about where they are. Here's the next thing that's going to happen. It's going to change how you live. I promise you. You may think, what do you mean, Pastor? Listen, how you live and the choices you make are going to change because of what you're going to hear. And then here's the last thing that's going to happen. You're going to have a renewed sense of hope. A renewed sense of hope. Jesus said in the New Testament that the devil, Satan, he said two things about him. He said he's a liar and he said he's a thief. All right? He's a liar and he's a thief. And he has stolen something from us Probably greater than anything that's ever been stolen from us. It's the greatest heist, the greatest thievery, if you can imagine, of anything. And that would be heaven. That would be your eternity. Now, I'm not saying that he's stolen heaven and that you're not going to get to go there. I'm not saying that somehow he's taking control of heaven. He tried that once and didn't get it done. Then he was thrown out of heaven and thrown to the earth. No, the way he's stolen it... Is he has distorted your view, he's stolen your hopes, he's stolen your dreams, he's stolen the way you think about heaven. And why does that matter? Well, it matters because it affects your life. I know lots of good Christian people, good people, and they can have a horrible view of heaven. All right, here's a couple of things that you can think about heaven. First off, we think it's boring. Or it's floating on a cloud. I've got a cartoon right here. This guy looks like maybe he made it to heaven. I can't decide. And he says, wished I'd brought a magazine. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what a lot of us think heaven is going to be like. <clears throat> I hope my nose is not that big in heaven, don't you? Yeah, amen. Amen. Uh, he's got a pretty good nose. Here, here, here's the next thing we think. Uh, we think it's not physical. We think it's church for eternity. Now, I love church. Don't get me wrong. But church for eternity doesn't sound a lot like heaven. But we think that sometimes. Hey, we're going to get to church, especially if you're a kid, and you think I'm going to be in a pew forever, and we're going to have to sing songs forever. Here's the next thing, is we think somehow it's not as good as this life. We think somehow that heaven isn't going to be as real as this. It isn't going to be as beautiful as this. It isn't going to be as amazing as this. And it's simply not true. In America, in our culture, we have retirement. And people think about retirement... They imagine what they're going to do in retirement, all right? Hey, maybe I'll play golf more. Maybe we'll get a cabin on a lake or on the mountains, or maybe we'll spend more time with our grandkids. People imagine their retirement. So consequently, you know what they do? Well, they work toward it. They save, they prepare, they sacrifice. They'll put off getting something today because they're going to save that money later. So when they retire, they'll have time to do the things they want. Here's what's amazing. Because we don't imagine heaven We don't prepare for it. We don't think about it much. We certainly don't sacrifice anything for it. Listen to this statement. People can't imagine heaven so they don't live for it. See, a lot of times heaven to us is just this weird place, if you will. And sure, God's going to be there, but I don't know really what to expect. And so since I can't imagine it, I'm going to get all of life I can today. If you maybe have heard somebody say before, well, hey, you know, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go where all my friends are. Or I want to go where the party is going to be. And uh, let me tell you something. You don't want to be in hell because there is no party there and there are no good times there. So it's important that you understand it. Here's what we're going to do these few weeks. We're going to do three things. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to look into the Scripture. The Bible has a lot to say about heaven. The Old Testament Jewish prophets have a lot to say about heaven. All the way through the New Testament, I'm going to read you some verses this morning have a lot to say about heaven. Here's what I want you to understand. As Christians, our standard is the Word of God. Listen, I've had some amazing experiences with God in my Christian walk, and I know many of you have too. But here's the one thing you need to understand. You always want to measure your experiences to the Word of God. All right? I have experiences that have profoundly impacted my life, but they have to line up with the Scripture. See, if you have an experience and you can't find it in Scripture, if something happens in your life and you think, well, God did that to me or God did that in me, but you can't find it in Scripture, it's really important that you understand that. Our standard the Word of God. So we're going to look at Scripture about heaven. Then the second thing we're going to do is we're going to look at some people who had near-death experiences. I've been reading a book, and you've heard me talk about it, called Imagine Heaven. Next week, I will have it at the Red Desk. I ordered it online, and I did free shipping. So they're sending it by camel caravan, and, uh, and they should be here by Christmas, okay, of next year. Okay, uh, I should have just paid the $25 shipping, right? And uh, it, it would have gotten here this morning. But I'm going to have those books. I'm going to skip a stone over a pond over the next few weeks. I have so much material. I have so much to stay. But we're going to hit the high spots because of time. But if you're looking for more, if you think, man, I want, know, I want to know more about this, then I'm going to have the book for sale at the Red Desk next week, and it's only going to be $10. That's what I paid for it, and I want to put it in, into your hands. Uh, over 13 million Americans claim to have had some sort of near-death experience. With the advance of medical technology, we're able in a lot of cases to save people's lives. We're used to we couldn't do it. And many, many people have come back, and here's what they've said. I left my body, and I went into another dimension, and I saw other worlds. And most of them are positive experiences. Most people have experiences of heaven, and we're going to look at some of them. But then there are some where people had experiences of hell, and they don't go to heaven, and they don't have a good experience, and we're going to look at some of those. Now, this crosses all boundaries, all right? They've studied thousands of these, of people, not just from America. It's not just Western culture. They've studied them from India, from other countries. They've studied other cultures, other religions. And there's some common themes in near-death experiences that people have. And we're going to look at them. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to line them up with the Word of God. Here's what you're going to see. I'm going to show you Scripture, and it's going to line up with these people's experiences, and it's just going to give you a better understanding and help you see better that heaven is a real place, heaven is a beautiful place, and you're going to want to be there. Now, the people that had these experiences are from all walks of life. They're doctors. They're nurses. They're surgeons. They're pilots. They're outdoor enthusiasts. And here's what I want you to understand as we get into this. These people have no gain or reason to share these experiences. They said in their studies that lots of people that have near-death experiences are afraid to share them because they are afraid people will think they're crazy. And so the people that shared these experiences, they weren't paid. They gained no benefit from it. And in fact, what they did was they took a risk in sharing it. They risked their name, their reputation, and their job to do it. So there was no gain from it. Now, I want to read to you just a simple generic example of what a near-death experience what people shared about near-death experiences a man is dying and as he reaches the point of his greatest physical distress he hears himself pronounced dead by his doctor he suddenly finds himself outside of his own physical body but still he's in the immediate physical environment and he sees his own body from a distance as off, as though he is a spectator he watches the resuscitation attempt from his unusual vantage point and is in a state of an emotional upheaval. After a while, he collects himself and becomes more accustomed to his condition. He notices that he still has a body, but it's very different in nature and with different powers than he had in his physical body that he left behind. Then some other things begin to happen. Others come to meet him and to help him. He glimpses the spirits of relatives and friends who've already died and a loving, warm spirit of a kind he's never encountered before, a being of light who appears before him. And I'm going to show you in these experiences how that's Jesus. This being asks him a question non-verbally to make him evaluate his life and helps him along by showing him a panoramic, instantaneous playback of the major events of his life. At some point, he finds himself approaching a barrier or a border, apparently representing a limit between this life and the next. Yet he finds that he must go back to the earth and that the time for his death has not come. At this point, he resists and does not want to return, but he's overwhelmed by the intense feelings of joy and love and peace. Despite his attitude, though, he is somehow reunited with his body and lives. Let me tell you a couple of things. To begin with. I don't know why God chooses to do this in some people. I don't know. Uh, Well how come these people just don't go ahead and die? I don't know. Uh, Why does God allow a person to see into eternity. To see a glimpse of heaven. Or to see a glimpse of hell. I think one reason is for us. I think one reason is to help us and to encourage us. But these people don't go ahead and die. They get near death. And then they come back. Here's the other one of the common things that happens in these people is an overwhelming sense of love. An overwhelming sense of the love of Jesus Christ. And it impacts these people, and you're going to hear in these stories. Let me read you three statements. Crystal said, There are no human words that can even come close to describe what I saw. Gary said, There are no words to express His divine presence. A Dutch patient said, what I saw was too beautiful for words to describe. Then a woman from India said, the kind of love that I experienced cannot be expressed in words. One person summed it up well. As I go through this, I keep thinking, well, when I was taking geometry, they always told me that there were three dimensions, talking about the physical world. And I always just accepted it, but they were wrong. There are more. A young girl named Katie, who's a child, had a near-death experience, and she had a pediatric physician who was skeptical. And here's what she said to him. Don't worry, Dr. Morris. Heaven is fun. (laughs) Now, for some of you, that's going to be a stretch, right? Some of you aren't too good with fun, but you'll get better at it. Amen? This is what we're going to discover as we turn our attention to heaven. I'm convinced God has prepared a future for us filled with more exhilaration and excitement more breathtaking beauty, more love and relational depth with friends and family than we've ever experienced before. Here's the most common denominator among all the people that had these experiences. Here's what they said. I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to go back. When your time comes and you're there, I'll know and you'll know that feeling of I don't want to go back. I want to read to you a scripture this morning. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to start with verse 9 and 10. The verse before this, the person writing this says, I am a nomad. What's a nomad? A nomad is a person who travels through the desert, and they live in tents, and they have no real home. You and I as Christians, eternity and heaven are our home, and we're supposed to be looking at this world as nomads. Listen to it, what it says. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit, for His Spirit searches everything and shows us God's deepest secrets. Back up, listen to it again. That is what the scripture means when it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love Him. But it says, God is revealing those things to us by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches us and shows us the deep secrets of God. Can you imagine with me this morning your favorite or best day? Now, maybe not the best day. Maybe the best events in your life. Maybe it was the birth of your first child. Maybe it was the birth of your first grandchild. Maybe it was when you bought your dream home. Maybe it was when you got the promotion you were looking for at work. Or maybe you got your first job out of college. Or maybe when you got married. All of us have events in our life, don't we? When I was a kid growing up, we went to Red River, New Mexico for vacation. I still go there today. And when I walk down Main Street, I'm walking with my father who's in heaven. I'm walking with my grandfather in heaven. And some of my most beautiful, lasting experiences I've had in life have happened in Red River, New Mexico. Whatever that is in your life, heaven is going to be better, more amazing, and more beautiful. What does the Scripture say? The Scripture says it's going to be so amazing you can't even imagine. But then the next verse says that God, by his spirit, is going to give us glimpses into it. Listen to this statement. How you think about heaven affects everything in your life. How you think about heaven affects everything in your life. What do you mean, pastor? Well, I believe it affects how you love. It affects how you spend your money. It affects what you're afraid of and it affects what you do in your life. As we look at these stories, as we look at the Scriptures, it's going to change how you live. I'm going to read to you out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 14. Hebrews 11, verse 14. And I just explained to you about being a nomad, and I got that wrong. It's the, it's the beginning of this verse in Hebrews 11, that we're nomads. Now listen to what it says. Obviously, people who say such things, say what things? That we're nomads in this life. They're looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for a country they came from, they could have gone back. Stop right there. Let me show you something amazing. I grew up in Amarillo, Texas, and I lived in one house all of my life. Now, my parents lived somewhere else, but pretty much when I was born, my parents built a two-bedroom, one-bath home, and I moved into it as a child, and I have no memory of any other place that I lived. And the address was 2722 Nebraska, and our phone number was 352-3305. I lived there until I was 21 years old, from about one and a half the 21 years old, I lived in the same house. And when I got married, I moved out of my mother's house and I moved into Vicky's house. And I've been there ever since. Now we've lived different places, but I've been with her ever since. That's my home place. Probably some of you have memories of a home place. Okay. Greg and Glenda Birkenfeld live in Nazareth and Greg has a brother who lives in the house Greg grew up in. It's their home place. Lou Wethington, who lives right outside of Tulia, her mother still lives in their home place where they were raised. Here's the first thing I want you to understand about heaven. When you get there, you'll be home. You won't long for any place else. You won't long to live anywhere else. You will be home. Listen to what the scripture says. I just read it to you. If they long for a country they came from, where you grew up, they could go back. But they're looking for a better place. A heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. What did Jesus say in John? He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, here's one of the most amazing things I love about the Father He loves us, and He wants to be with us forever. Don't you love that? See, heaven isn't going to be gold streets, and it's going to be gold streets. And it's going to be beautiful. I'm going to read you some verses right here in just a minute about how beautiful and how amazing it is. But you know what's going to be most amazing about it? We're going to be there with the Father. And He desires to be with us forever. C.S. Lewis said, If you read history, you'll find that Christians who did the most for this present world were just those who thought the most about the next. Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you get neither. Let me read it to you again. Aim at heaven, and you get the earth thrown in. Aim at the earth, and you get neither. Let me read to you out of Revelation 22, starting with verse 1. And this is a short description of heaven. A short and simple description of what it's going to be like. Listen to what it says. Then the angel showed me a river of the water of life clear as crystal flowing from the excuse me, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. Now stop right there. I love water. I love swimming. I love going to the lake. Uh, we've been to New Brunswick, Texas, down by San Antonio, and that's where the Camel River is if you've ever been down there. To me, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. The river is wide, it's deep, it's clear, and it flows, and you can get on it and swim. You can get on it with an inner tube. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. I love water. That verse says right there, there is a river in heaven. It flows out from under the throne of God, and it's clear, and it's the river of life. Listen to it. It's clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It flowed down the center of Main Street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit and a fresh crop each month, and the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Now, I've never lived anywhere where water flowed. I'm a West Texas boy, okay? Uh, behind my house is part of the Tool Creek. And I always tell my wife, I'd give anything if that ran with water. I'd give anything if it was seven or eight or nine feet wide, and it flowed with clear water, and you could swim in it, and you could fish in it. There'd only be one problem. I wouldn't live there because my house would be $500,000 right? Because anytime there's houses by water, they're the most expensive homes. So our addition would be unavailable to me because I wouldn't have the money to live there. Listen, it says this water flows out from under the throne and it flows down Main Street. So when you're in heaven and you're there, you'll be able to see that river. I believe you'll be able to get in that river. You may not get in it, but I'm getting in it. And it's, right, amen? And it says that we're going to eat off the tree of life and that there's going to be leaves for the healing of the nations. Verse 3, no longer will there be a curse on anything. You know what, another amazing thing about heaven? There will be no sin, there'll be no darkness, and the devil won't be there. You and I live in a broken world. You and I live in a sin-cursed world. Here's what's sad. We think sometimes this is as good as it gets. You see, we've been in the pot of boiling water so long, we think this is it. Now listen, I've had beautiful experiences in this life, and I know many of you have too. But I've also had some very hard, very terrible, very painful, very tragic things in this life. In heaven, there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more curse. There will be no more spiritual warfare. Because the curse will be lifted. Listen to the next verse. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face. Isn't that amazing? You see, you're going to see the face of Jesus. You're going to see the face of God. It says in the people's near death experiences that they experienced this light so bright, it's as bright as the sun, but they were able to look into it without squinting or without it burning their eyes because it's in the spirit realm, it's in another dimension. They said it's so bright that they couldn't even see the person emitting the light, but they could look right into it. And then when they got close enough to it and got into it, it was Jesus. So it says right here in the scripture that there'll be no sun or moon in heaven because Jesus is going to light everything. And then we'll see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. Now stop right there. I don't completely understand that, and I want you to know that I don't completely understand it. And you can think maybe that's weird. What do you mean? Jesus is getting, my name? That, you think, I don't know if I want a tattoo, right, in heaven, okay? But, and I just want you to understand, it's gonna, it'll be okay, whatever it is, and it won't be a bad thing. And it says, and there'll be no night, there'll be no need for lamp or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign, they will live, they will exist forever and ever, You and I are eternal beings, and we're going to exist forever. Then the angel said to me, everything you've heard and seen is trustworthy and true. Listen, everything I've said this morning is true. Everything I've said is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspired his prophets, they wrote, has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Probably sooner than we think we'll all be there. One of my mother's verses when I was growing up is that this life is a vapor. When you're in your teens and your 20s and even your 30s, life can seem slow. It seems like, doesn't it? It seems slow. I can remember when my children were little and I couldn't wait until they could sit up at McDonald's and eat a french fry and not throw food on the wall, right? Or they didn't want to eat because they wanted to play on the playground, right? I can remember thinking, I just cannot wait but life goes by, then in your 50s and 60s and beyond, life is like a vapor. That's what the Bible says, that it quickly goes by, it quickly ends. So it says this is going to happen soon. Let me go to one more verse this morning, Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus is speaking. He says, don't be afraid. Listen, church, grab onto that. Who's going to win the White House, pastor? Don't be afraid. What about the economy, pastor? Don't be afraid. What about what this one says or that one says? Don't be afraid. What did he say? Don't be afraid, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure. This translation says great happiness to give you the kingdom. Listen, you're not inheriting the pew. You're inheriting the kingdom you are citizens, you are sons, you are daughters in a kingdom ruled by a loving, benevolent king named Jesus Christ. We're not inheriting the pew, we're inheriting the kingdom. And it says it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you know everything I have at my disposal is available to my children? You understand that, don't you? Everything I have in my life, I would use to help my children. Everything in my life is at my disposal to help my children and my grandchildren. Your father's the very same way. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He comes up and reaches the hold to the curtain and says, Hey, look in, just, just take a peek. Look and see what I've got for you. Eyes not seen, nor has ear heard what God has prepared. For those that love him. I want to ask you one last question this morning. What if heaven is going to be better than your wildest dreams? What if heaven is going to be better than your wildest dreams? Everything you've longed for. Everything you've hoped for. Have you longed for friendships? You'll have it. Have you longed for love and companionship? You'll have it. Have you longed for health and peace in your mind? You'll have it. What if it's beyond your wildest dreams? Stand up and let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for everything. I'm thankful that you love us and that you're our Father and that we're your sons and daughters. Father, I pray that you open our eyes in these coming weeks. You open our hearts And as we pull back the veil, as we pull back the curtain, as we look into the Word, as we listen to people's personal stories, that we get a glimpse into who we are. We get a glimpse into what belongs to us. And that we are your sons, we are your daughters, and it is your good pleasure to give us your kingdom. Father, I love you. Strengthen and encourage every person here today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Hey, I love you. Y'all be blessed and have a great rest of your weekend.